This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Ukrainian foreign policy expert Dr. Hannah Shalist is live in Odessa and explains Russia's brazen missile strike on the port city. She tells us why Russia is destroying Ukraine's grain exports and how political turmoil around the world isn't helping in Ukraine. One of social media's biggest fitness experts is going to help us redefine how we look at being healthy. Big Ron Jones is just cool. Loved meeting him, loved talking to him, and he takes us through his approach to wellness and how you can make meaningful change inside and outside of the gym in your life. A little bit more activity, a little bit more vitality for everybody, no matter your age, no matter your fitness level. Great conversation with Ron, too. I can't wait for you to meet him. Plus, are you okay with chicken on the Shift Daily Podcast? This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay with chicken? Bakak? Uh, what? what was that? <laughs> Not really. Okay, I gotta explain myself. There's a video game where this guy tells this really terrible joke. Would you like to hear it? It's a chicken joke. It's on topic. No. Nothing. Okay, I so always get excited when someone starts the. By yeah. selling it to me, by saying it's terrible. Yeah. Okay. We'll just bear with it. It's a bad dad joke. You'll like it. Okay. So here's a joke. Okay. So this guy runs a, like a like a fashion store, you know, clothing. And he goes, we have a guy named Ken who comes in here and he has very chic taste. We call him Chic Ken. And then he goes, Bacock. Oh, that's exceptionally oh, bad. That's terrible, right? That's new yeah. level. Yeah. That's new level <laughs> bad. Oh, <laughs> it's stuck in my brain, and now it's going stuck to be stuck in yours. All right. Well, thank you for the uh, the uh, the poulet jokes and the pollo jokes and everything else there. That's good. You're welcome. Um, do you like chicken? Did, did we, yeah. Do you? Do we agree? Uh, Nando's chicken is awesome. Chicken wings are great. But I, I don't like cooking chicken. It's, always, it's either oh. incredible or awful. Just, oh, if a dry chicken is is inedible, and it's really hard to get a good flavor out of chicken, I think too. You got to put really? so much work to bring out that flavor, and if you do the work, it's amazing. Hey, this is why I go back to Nando's. It makes me curious but, how you cook your chicken. Yeah, uh, I do a lot of uh, kind of uh, the one that comes to mind is it's like an orzo, you know, like Italian thick rice. You know, you put all the sauces and all the spices in with water and like a broth and then you flip the chicken in the broth and stuff like that and that's pretty good but anytime i try to do a roast chicken or anything like that just never turns out the way that i wanted to oh you know what you need you need let's see a secret chicken seasoning what is the secret oh well, it's I'm a secret i'm telling you that i'll <laughs> give you some seasoning but i'm telling you what's in it especially okay. on the radio just give me a little thing <laughs> like hey by the way we're talking to here's people. the best idea i ever had i'm gonna give it away for free look i'm all for sharing but come on man um, i'll help you out we'll do that that's cool i mean one of the secrets of chicken is um if you're going to cut it cut it like razor thin if you're gonna just fry chicken and put it in a stir fry or in soup mm-hmm. or whatever like razor thin it's just it's just it's so good that way like and butch, by the way, take your chicken, take your chicken breast, whatever, or uh, barbecue chicken thighs. That's really the best. You got to get the fat out of it because they're so fatty. But um, take your uh, chicken and freeze it for an hour. Just take a raw chicken breast, put it in the freezer for an hour, and it gets kind of that firm feeling, but it's mm-hmm. not frozen solid. And then cut it as paper thin as you possibly can. Throw it in a frying pan, season it. It's the best. Oh, that's another. Th- I hate cutting chicken, so that's huh. Never thought of that. 
I might actually try that. Neat. Neat. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you hate cutting chicken? What's the difference between cutting anything so else? Because it's so tough. It's so tough. Like, it, you feel like you're tugging at it. You know, beef is just, you know, it's like a... Like the knife gets caught unless you have a nice serrated knife, it gets caught. Oh, that's why you don't use it. a serrated knife. That's why. But I only have knife. one really good knife. Okay, there we go. See, this is where we're now. We're getting now we're getting to the crux of the issue here. That's good. They're expensive, man. I have one really good knife that doesn't even technically belong to me. It's my roommate's. So. Oh no. No. Do you have a sharpener for it? The fling, fling, fling sharpener. We have a sharpener. Yeah, it's like a Japanese knife, so it'll last a while. All right. Okay, good. See, I'm glad. See, this is we got it. There you go. We need to get Ryan a good knife. Got to get us some good seasoning. And uh, This is how we're going. Just for the this. record, I like chicken. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Brett. I figured <laughs> it's really would. all we were going for there, but it worked. It's one of those things. Okay. Um, why did the chicken cross the road since we're doing terrible jokes? Uh, Anybody? To the other side. To get to Virginia. Oh. Amelia, the chicken, is a normal chicken, but she's also very adventurous. This is are you okay with? You know that the story is not going to just be that. Uh, the chicken was just minding her own business on her family's farm when she decided to take a little trip into town. So she hitched a ride in her owner's truck. Basically, the family has figured out that she climbed into this tiny compartment in the undercarriage for the 13 mile ride to downtown Burlington. For a chunk of that, the Ford and the chicken were going 65 on Interstate 89. That must have been a foul ride, but she ended up where most people do when they get to Burlington. The Church Street Marketplace for the music, the shopping, the food. Good thing Amelia didn't get a close look at the menus lining the pedestrian mall. That's a chicken on Church Street and I don't know why it's here. Lo Fasano had just finished a cup of coffee on a morning marketplace walk and knew the poultry was in a predicament. What can I do now besides try and find who it belongs to? Calling rehabilitators, Shelburne Farms, even police. <laughs> and they said they don't do chickens. So Lo took Amelia home, gave her food and a place to nest. After that journey, the bird was clearly beat. She was sweet. She slept on, she hopped on the bed and slept there. Meanwhile, Lo thought maybe, just maybe, social media might help. Even though it was a long shot, I had hope. <laughs> and it worked. Uh, you took a breath. I wanted to know it was CBS3. It was so exciting. And it worked. <laughs> Oh, man. A Facebook post led uh, Fasano to Amelia's family, who back in Heinesburg were thrilled to learn their chicken had not been turned into nuggets. Did you write that? That's terrible. Amelia is yeah, now back yeah, on the yeah. family farm. <laughs> it turns out that Amelia isn't her first name. She used to be Bug, but given her wild adventure, she's now affectionately known as Amelia after Amelia Earhart, the first female to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean, which is a terrible name for a chicken because they don't fly. So that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's the first like chicken to successfully cross the road. That's a really good story. Did you see the story of the duck that ran a marathon too? A duck? Where? No. I don't know where it was. I saw it. I should have archived it for this. Are you okay with? But there was, um, yeah, there was a story of a duck that ran a marathon with its owner. And it was a very similar story, and it just basically waddled its way 
Um, and then they gave it a medal and everything else, and it, it BK like it could be your running partner. Yeah, we should get a, a shift duck, and I'll, I'll run a marathon with it. That's cool. Shifty the duck. Shifty, we call it Amelia. Yeah, the air duck. <laughs> That's good. I like air that duck. story. <laughs> oh god! Whoa! Nice jokes coming at you. God, I wish I had a chicken sound effect. I really don't. It's disappointing okay. at this point. I. I don't. I don't have a chicken sound effect. Doesn't matter. Like no. I looked everywhere. Huh. I'm surprised. You have like a full-on zoo on your little computer there. I do. I really do. As good as it gets. Not a chicken. That's. The I, but I have. I have owls and pigs. I don't have like a. All right. Are you okay with? Oh, uh, by the way, Ryan, you need to cook your chicken in an air fryer. Uh, I'm kind of in between on chicken. I think it's used too much. Cooked in an air fryer, though, it is amazing. Huh. Um, yeah, try that. I cut it thin with bacon from Trucker Kevin. Colonel Sanders was chasing Amelia. Another text. And then someone comes in to add some cayenne pepper and Mrs. Dash extra crispy shake and bake. So good. Shake and bake is good. Something about it. Shake, shake and bake good. on your chicken in the air fryer. Oh, put all those together. There you go. That, that comes together. Yeah. Are you okay with being... Punctual. Yes, I hate being terrible late. Terrible at it. I'm terrible. You're terrible at it. I hate. I, I'm five minutes early anywhere I go, which is annoying because nobody my age seems to be punctual. Everybody's it, like, seriously. When we went to Stampede two weekends or three weeks ago, everybody said we'll be there for the breakfast at 10 a.m. Everybody got there at 11:15. I was ready to go at 10. Hmm. I hey. now I'm terrible at this in meetings. I try to be better at it. You do know you're five minutes late for our meetings, today, right? Because oh. I was in another meeting. So, and work meetings, that's punctual. Like, his, you know, Is I'm talking really? about like fun stuff, you know, stuff I'm really excited to get to. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> A little bird hey, on the air there. <laughs> we got the, uh, I think we need to go on vacation. <laughs> what about you, BK, being on oh, time? Oh, yeah. That, I'm much better at it than I used to be in my 20s. I was terrible at it. But I have learned now, I like to put it in old mythological terms, you have to sacrifice. You have to offer a sacrifice to the time gods and be like, I will give up what it is that I'm doing and really interested in here so I can get to the place that I need to be punctually on time and be a responsible adult. So one must sacrifice to the time gods to be punctual. I've been reading a lot of mythology lately. Sorry about this. No, it's true, though. I think you're right. It it is quite the gift to give to somebody. Punctuality is quite the gift. When you can be on time and be there on time and give that gift to them, because sometimes things go wrong. So, I I mean, it is. if you can pull it off and you're really, really good at it, I think it's quite respectful, and it it is quite the gift to give to people. Now, there are a few moments in life that you absolutely do not want to be late to, one example is your wedding. That's a good one. Want to be on time for that one? Maybe you don't want to be on time, actually. Maybe it's maybe that's a thing. But principally, um, I think you want to be on time. A woman in London was unfortunately very late to her own wedding thanks to three different Ubers canceling on her. I, I'm curious if that's actually the reason. We'll talk about that in a second. Luckily, though, a nearby Brit was willing to take her to the church on time. Mark Steen Adamson was on his way to a reunion when he noticed the bride. And I saw other cars were just 
passing her. They were just, and she looked really distressed. She told him three ride chairs had canceled on her as she and the guy holding her train and her sister waited. I'm late for church. So off they went in Adamson's Land Rover, headed for Holy Trinity Brompton Church, about 10 or 15 minutes away. Okay, okay, okay. Commenters took issue. Some people said she didn't sound grateful enough because she said, hurry up. I know, but I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, she was 45 minutes late. All she's thinking is, my husband is waiting for me. There's the vicar. There's the vicar. Here we go. Here's the bride. Tell me what your name is again. Anastasia. This is like something out of a rom-com. Someone gushed. And when the bride told the vicar, this gentleman picked me up on the road. Commenters ogled him. That's CNN's Jeannie Most, by the way. I have a big crush on her. Adamson was invited to the wedding, but declined, saying he was late for his reunion with his friends as well. Okay, I have a problem with a couple of these things here, first of all. Okay, what's your problem? What do you got? Why do you expect to be on time when you're booking an Uber for your wedding? Why would you just not book a dedicated car? Yeah, I feel like that kind of goes without saying. A woman in London was unfortunately very late to her own wedding, thanks to three different Ubers canceling her. I don't think it's thanks to Ubers canceling. She was late because she chose a service that can cancel. Like, pay the pay the thing and get the or get a ride from somebody or like, where by the way is everyone in your wedding party to help you get there? Already there, and uh, I wonder if it plays into the fact that she in the video you can see she's like downtown London, like near Trafalgar Square, like one of the busiest probably intersections in the world. So I wonder if that plays into it. Um, Why is she by herself? It's her wedding day. She was yeah, it was three people total, but it was like yeah, it was very weird. Like it's it's almost like maybe they had like a wedding brunch and then they all got separated and then lost track of time or something like that. Something doesn't add up, man. It really does. It seems like really bad planning. And I I realize that's a very square left side of my brain look at um, why this thing happens. But I don't know. It seems to be the case. It's real frugal. It's wedding on a budget here. Frugal. I would do it. Everyone (laughs) Uber to the wedding. Get your own Uber? Yeah, get your own Uber. (laughs) Five stars, please. Five stars. I do like how she told him to hurry, and he was good about it. He's like, wouldn't you say the same thing? Like, I think that was cool. Yes, exactly. A lot of people were, and she, but yeah, she's like, go, go, go. Yeah, go, go, go. That's great. That part's awesome. All right, well, there you go. That's why you don't get married right there. That's a whole new level. (laughs) We've been talking about weddings an awful lot here on The Shift. I don't know what the uh, foreshadowing is here, Ryan O'Donnell, but uh, maybe it's BK. Hmm? Someone. I eloped the over air. the weekend. Oh, is that what it was? Oh, yeah, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I this didn't. is cool. I didn't. No. If my mom's listening, and she might be, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Shift Podcast. As we have done for what we had hoped would only be days and days, turned into weeks and weeks and months and months. Connecting to Ukraine to find out what has been going on there. There has been increased violence and more and more and more that has been happening. So we will do that now. Uh, Hannah Shalist joins us now from Odessa, Ukraine. And uh, Hannah basically works as an advocate for Ukraine. Uh, Clarity, she's a Ph.D. She um, (laughs) knows all the important people. 
and uh, and information is really just so incredibly important in her world. And in Edessa, which has been quiet for the most part, safe to say, Hannah has uh, was loud this weekend. Uh, yes, this weekend, unfortunately, was extremely loud in Odessa and uh, unfortunately, expectably loud uh, because just on Friday, the uh, grain deal that everybody uh, expected and really wished uh, to happen uh, because this grain deal should open three ports for the export of grains to the countries of Asia and Africa. So less than 24 hours, Russians decided to uh, uh, shoot exactly uh, the port, the port facilities uh, to demonstrate uh, just that they can and uh, that their goodwill and their signature, the paper, unfortunately means nothing. So what what comes next, Hannah? I mean, the, the, the deal was to be able to export grain, which has been a conversation we've talked about here on The Shift for weeks and weeks and weeks now as being so incredibly important for the fall. And then the, there was a deal, and then it's kind of Russia was like, yeah, well, you can have that, but just remember, by the way, we'll blow it up. And they And they did that. So you had shared with me that commercial ships – are not safe necessarily in that area of the Black Sea because of mines and everything else going on. So has what comes next? Has it been solved or are the exports going to happen or did the d- destruction get in the way of that? Or, I mean, I don't even know uh, what comes next. So I'm hoping you can help. Uh, yes, the situation is that definitely as Ukraine signed an agreement with Turkey and the United Nations, we are trying to... Uh, um, follow those uh, letters and the spirit of the agreement. So the Ministry of Infrastructure is continuing preparation. And uh, uh, it already announced uh, that uh, the first ships uh, may leave the ports uh, probably by the end of this week, because tomorrow we are expecting that the Joint Coordination Center should be established in uh, Istanbul. That will be the center where all four parties, Ukraine, uh, uh, Russia, Turkey, and the United Nations being present, together with the inspection teams. So these inspection teams will be able to check any of the ships coming to or from uh, the Ukrainian ports uh, designated in this agreement. So not all Ukrainian ports, but just these three in Odessa region. And also that they will determine the route and everything. Original idea is that we will form caravans of ships the minesweeper will go in front of them as the leading ship, and it will be the uh, um, determined uh, route, very strict route, so none of the ships can go one meter left or right, and uh, they will try to pass uh, um, all together in the very particular times set by this joint coordination center. So that is extremely difficult and risky operation, but... Uh, uh, we are eager to continue. The only thing that definitely now is the problem is um, the Russian behavior. Uh, because uh, if uh, everything about inspections or monitoring, reconnaissance, the uh, coordination is set in the document, but it is one important point uh, with which Russians manipulated on Saturday and in all their explanations after. It is said in the agreement that the parties um, will not attack commercial um, uh, vessels other auxiliary vessels necessary, so it is like tax, for example, yep, and port facilities involved in this initiative. So for us, probably my English is not so good, but it is uh, uh, port facilities involved, mean uh, the ports involved, so that's a Chernomorsk and usually three ports. Russians uh, managed, uh, by the words of the Minister of Defense and Ministry of uh, Foreign Affairs, 
said that no 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 that means only few verses that oh, where these ships will be so if we bomb a burst that is 500 meters from the grain terminal that's okay we have a right to do it so you understand clearly that it is the pure manipulation and the attempt to demonstrate that they are not forgetting about uh, um, the cost of Ukraine, that they will continue to put it under the risk, and that de facto they don't care about this grain export. They just need to demonstrate that they can do it and also to get the sanctions lift up because uh, let's be frank, uh, it is additional agreement, uh, which Ukraine didn't sign, but our international partners signed, that uh, made it easier for Russians to avoid few sanctions in the banking sphere uh, through the contract in the grain uh, export. Now, this grain has turned out to be such an incredible commodity in the war. I, I don't want to uh, make jokes or sound like it's making jokes, but at the same time, I mean, how do you hire people to work on those ships to to get them out? Because there's really nothing stopping them from, you know, um, from from dropping bombs or, or, or blowing up those ships, really based on their interpretation, at least that they claim about those agreements. I also, it's kind of like that that mentality of, you know, I don't want it, but if I can't have it, nobody can have it sort of mentality. And, and that's what scares me about this. Not only is the hidden dangers of the mines in the Black Sea that have been laid out by Russia. But now there's just this possibility that as soon as they leave shore, um, that could be a thing. Um, th that's got to be terrifying. Like, I don't even know how you talk anybody into into driving the ships there. Uh, exactly. You're absolutely right, because now it is the questions which uh, ship owners would agree to do it, what rate insurance companies would put, uh, what will be their crew that agree to work there. So all these questions that are not discussed at the top level diplomatic negotiations, but that is uh, so-called technical issues that definitely will be uh, uh, very, very uh, serious under the consideration of business that involved. And that was probably also one of the reasons for the Saturday attack of Russians, because they wanted to say, oh, you, you see, you can negotiate with us. We signed a document. If ship owners don't want to come, it's not up to us. We like It's not our actions that are leading to this. So that is the intentional uh, um, attempts to disrupt even when you uh, demonstrate that you're ready for uh, so-called negotiations. And uh, that, that's nothing new. We saw it in many other situations within these eight years. So that is... For us, that's why I said it would have been quite unexpected that something like this can happen. The question was only where they will shoot and how they will demonstrate. Even more, I will tell you that in the agreement, we have three ports that are in Odessa region. They're very close to each other, just 40 kilometers between them. And... Um, this uh, uh, morning, uh, Russians uh, shoot exactly against Mykolaiv port, which is 100 kilometers from Odessa. And uh, uh, before the war, it was the biggest uh, um, uh, port for grain exports, bigger than Odessa in terms of just grain terminals. So that is uh, really interesting that they clearly demonstrating that they're ready to destroy other parts of the port infrastructure, so to make Ukraine not a maritime state in the future. Oh, Hannah, that's just terrifying. Um, and it, like, I mean, it's terrorism. That's what it is. That's the definition of terrorism, putting terror into the lives of other people. 
Call it what it is. Exactly. And try to imagine that Odessa port uh, that been targeted is just in the downtown because Odessa city being built around the port. And uh, uh, where they uh, um, targeted, uh, just on the, let's name it a hill, it's not it's not a hill, but just a little bit higher place, it is the National Art Gallery over there. And uh, uh, half of their building now is without glasses because of this explosion wave. And uh, uh, some buildings in the historical center as well is now without uh, uh, glasses because of that uh, um, capacity of the explosion that uh, happened and originally uh, there were four missiles targeted but two were caught so I can't imagine what would be the result uh, in case uh, they will target uh, much more and that is not because of the fire of the continued explosions because luckily Russians targeted just the uh, I'm not sure in the English word but that is something like the um, barge for water pump so it's an auxiliary small mm-hmm. ship that is helping with yep. the pumping water that's what they targeted that's why there were not so many uh, destructions around but at the same time just the explosion wave managed to broke the glasses uh, uh, in the historical center that is now under the consideration of unesco so uh, uh but uh, russians explanations were even better original statement it's not us and then it was the question, huh. okay, who else could do said, it? Probably Turks or Chinese. Uh, then in 12 hours, they said, yes, it is us. We targeted the uh, um, Navy ship. Uh, no Navy ships there. It is visible clearly at the videos that at that time already were public. And uh, then they said that they distracted uh, uh, Navy ship plus uh, shipyard for Navy plus uh, uh, all Garpoons, the special anti-ship missiles that we received uh, from our Western partners. So which each moment their victory in brackets, yep, being just multiplying and becoming like, I, I don't know, the dragon in the fairy tales. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. So, um, and it is barge, by the way, you nailed it. Um, so the... I mean, how are you doing in this, Hannah? I mean, you you live there. I mean, you've shared with me privately sort of what area you live in, and it's not a huge place. So uh, how are you doing in this and, you know, your place, your home, uh, perhaps just an example of how Ukrainians in Odessa are, are feeling when this happens. You've been somewhat insulated, not always and completely, uh, but these ones really rocked close to home for you. Are, are you okay? Uh, I would tell you even more. I've been in the summer house on the uh, uh, coast, uh, and uh, I saw all these missiles by my own eyes, and uh, saw the explosion when Ukrainian uh, missile caught one of these missiles. It's been quite terrifying, because originally you saw it as the movie, and then you suddenly realize, especially by the sound, that that is a reality. And uh, my sister being at her flat in the very downtown, and that's been the first time when she ran to the uh, parking shelter uh, because the explosion was so huge that for the previous five months, we haven't heard in the downtown the same uh, uh, level of uh, uh, sound from the explosion. And definitely that's been uh, quite a terrifying experience because you need several seconds to understand what is really happening. First, you have the initial panic, then you start to analyzing, okay, you are alive, there is no fire around you, where it can uh, uh, fall, or was it the work of the air defense? You know, like, it, it, it is everything in 10 seconds in your head that probably, uh, w- when you are repeating and now explaining, it would take 10 minutes of all those emotions that suddenly are coming in 10 seconds with you. Yeah, it must, it must be amazing what you go through so quickly through all of that. It's like life on fast forward, right? If you timed it, 
it would it might have been a minute, but it you probably have enough information to share what you went through. Like you said, it would take you ten minutes to tell the story of everything um, that that you processed and went through. And what a great example of what Ukrainians, I think. Uh, are probably going through all along. Dr. Hannah Shalist here on The Shift. Um, you travel a lot. You speak to uh, all kinds of different diplomats from around the world. Uh, you advocate for Ukraine. You've been doing that. I'm curious about Canada as well. Uh, you know, what is, is the conversation more help on the table? Is that the way everyone's looking at this? Because when it comes to international assistance, you know, the conversation has really turned into these industries, right? There's oil and gas, there is grain, and not a lot seems to be changing. Uh, wh- what do you see that's happening here that we don't know? You know, there are several tendencies, and uh, um, they're very different. Uh, one tendency is that uh, when some experts, politicians, saw how uh, Russia signed a document in Istanbul in uh, um, on Friday, they said, oh, really, probably that is the time to start again talking with the Russian Federation to find some diplomatic ways. And that gave to others the ability to speak, okay, maybe we need to slow down the military support of Ukraine so not to provoke the situation. Something we already experienced in January and February of this year. But for others, this target of Odessa on Saturday was the demonstration that, okay, now we understood that even if Russia signs something, it doesn't matter anything and they can uh, spoil the situation immediately. So what we can do, what type of weapons Ukraine needs. But definitely the problem is that now we are in the time of the political turbulence in some of the countries. We know that the U.S. is expecting elections. Italy just had the uh, prime minister that been very helpful for Ukraine uh, who decided to quit. Uh, we have uh, quite a problematic situation with the German chancellor. We see a few other countries also coming to the elections. We see uh, the United Kingdom with the resignation of the prime minister. All this is not helping. And each time you need to find new and new advocates, new and new partners in these countries, or your, I don't know how to say, it's not partners in crime, but those people who will continue supporting you despite the political climate in their countries. Because definitely when you have raising price, when you have raising uh, petrol prices, it's more and more difficult for the politicians to explain why they need to support Ukraine for their voters. And uh, that's extremely important. So they would be able to explain that they are not just supporting Ukraine because they decided it's a poor country that should be helped. But by supporting Ukraine, they're supporting their own country as well. So never uh, experience the uh, uh, Russian actions against these countries as well. And that's complicated. That's why we understand this tiredness. We understand this political climate. We understand that Russia is investing in different politicians in Europe and in the U.S. Um, they invest in propaganda a lot. Uh, so now the question is how to work with them, but also how to work with the um, uh, other countries that have been not so interested, like Asia, Africa, because Russians are definitely manipulating with them, especially in terms of the questions like uh, uh, migrants or the questions uh, uh, like grain exports, exactly. And uh, more and more when I'm coming to some Arabic TV stations, for example, I see the commands under the video, or but uh, why should we care? Russians have a right, or that is the uh, West is always guilty. All these classical uh, Russian narratives that are repeated in this region. And uh, we understand that we've not been working with these regions uh, for many years. And now we need to invest as much as possible to to change the situation so they would not repeat the Russians. 
Yeah, and there are some countries that are surprising. I think the world a little bit too, like Hungary um, and those ones as well. I, I don't want to say it's entertaining because it's absolutely that's not the right word, and I don't want to say it's comedic as I try to figure it out. But when Russia releases their statements about things like these rockets that landed in the port of Odessa, um, it's almost uh, it's clumsy to because they it's almost like they're like no no just tell them that they were firing on a navy ship and then. Oh, right. There's cameras, right? Like, it's like they forget that the entire world has technology and access to info and media that they block there, right? Oh, just like they just tell Russians that, you know, this is, this is a good thing. This, all of this war, they're trying to save Ukraine. And, um, it's almost like they get so lost in their own, well, they believe their own narrative. I guess that's really what it seems to boil down to. And that's the disturbing part to me. Yes, exactly. First of all, they are believing. The second is they are bringing as many versions of uh, events as possible so to make the information uh, cacophony. Um, and also what is interesting that uh, they still believing that they are liberating Ukraine from, and that was really funny, um, how the uh, rhetoric is different from what we are speaking. We are speaking Ukrainians to Ukraine. Ukraine decides something. And they say Kiev regime. So they still think that people in Kiev, in the capital, in the government, are not connected to the people on the ground in Lviv, Odessa, Dnipro, or Kharkiv. I, I don't know why, but they still perceive it that only uh, Kiev is deciding and what Kiev thinks about uh, war or cooperation with the West is different from what people are thinking in other cities. And uh, all sociological surveys demonstrated that it is absolutely not true. But that's just stuck in their rhetoric and uh, um, uh, why they think that uh, the country should be liberated from the so-called Kiev regime when uh, uh, almost 80% of the population supports the actions um, during the war of the current government, that's really surprising. Probably they're just making the parallels to uh, their own situation when Moscow is absolutely disconnected to what is happening in the regions. Mm -hmm. Well, democracy, it's a big word. It's hard to spell. So it's a tough one for uh, for anybody to understand if you've never really known democracy, I suppose. Uh, it's absolutely remarkable. I did get an email, uh, Hannah, asking how Benjamin was, your dog, um, and making sure uh, that he was okay. He was okay. so shocked on Saturday. <laughs> well, I bet. I bet he was. Um, he, 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 he was not panicking, but he was just uh, um, stuck in. I don't know how to say it. He, he, he just frozen after the explosions. And the yeah. whole day he was like a um, teddy bear. Like, can I sit in your hands? Can I just be, yep. be near you? Uh, the animals definitely react very, very painful to uh, any air raids or any explosions around Ukraine. Uh there was one of our visits here, if you didn't catch it with Hannah and I, where uh, Benjamin was barking in the background. So we got we got introduced to Benjamin and, and um, the Shifthead community here who listen to the show uh, ask every now and then, how's Benjamin doing and all this? I guess that puts a little bit of the uh, the real life to um, the professional of uh, Hannah Shaler's PhD to the Ukrainian uh, woman who uh, is just lives in Ukraine, loves her country, lives in Odessa, and, and, and has to care for her dog. That's where I think we all understand what's going on and how scary that must be. Uh, Hannah, uh, stay safe. It's great to chat with you. It's been a little bit. I know you've been traveling and working very hard, so it's really nice to have you back. Thank you for making time for us, and I do look forward to chatting uh, with you again. Thank you for the invitation. It's always a pleasure. This is the Shift Podcast. 
Every now and then you go on the internet and you find people and they're dreadful. And sometimes you find a unicorn, one of these positive people that shares good messages and you're like, yeah, that's my people right there. I like that guy or gal or whatever. And I had this happen to me just a couple of weeks ago when I was just frankly death scrolling on Instagram and up popped this guy, big burly dude. And he, uh, he just said really nice motivating things about fitness and actually water alkalinity and water, which I found fascinating. I was like, I just got to meet this guy. So I introduced myself and surprisingly enough from a total random stranger on the internet, he said, sure, Ron Jones, how are you? Man, all is well. All is well. I'm happy to uh, to be here speaking to to your audience, primarily because I believe health is for everyone, yeah. um, from pediatric to geriatric. So no matter where you're at, I am selling the one thing that we can all use. Yeah, that's health. Yeah, well, and but you're not really selling it. You're kind of leading it, and there, there's the way that you share it is is different, and that's that's why I absolutely love it. And um, Let's. I think that let's reverse engineer this conversation, Ron, because uh, okay. at the very end um, of every little you know reel or TikTok that you pop out there, you you say I'm I'm Big Ron Jones, and w- so what do you say at the end of the videos? Oh, with real world advice for your real world goals, real world stuff. So um, why is it real world, Ron? What do you get up to? What is this for you? Um, well, out of for me, what I'm getting is I am. I'm being clear first and foremost, clear in that I am clear with my maker who told me to do what I'm doing, which is giving health to the people. Um, but I feel like I am in almost like an intercessory between the science book and the well-meaning mom who wants to fit that red dress again, yeah. or to the dad who doesn't want to have that bod he's not really proud about, or to that young athlete who's trying to, or that young lady who's trying to find self-esteem. Um, and all this can be found truthfully and health and wellness. Wellness, of course, being your mindset and how you view things. So, kind of a chicken and egg scenario, I suppose. What comes first? Uh-huh. Uh, the um, what comes first? The mindset or the action and everything else? Because you need to you need to kind of get started on the action in order to find the mindset. You need to have the mindset to start the action. Um, it's it's pretty inspiring and a difficult thing for most of us. Because I can I, I'll be upfront one hundred percent. I used to be incredibly fit, um, really lean. And then I had shoulder surgery. I used that as a really great excuse to not, because I was afraid to hurt it again. And I just kept Mm -hmm. telling myself that, right? So then the laziness kicks in. I bought a skipping rope. I have a friend who skips. He's actually one of the contributors here to The Shift. And I have that skipping rope. I've had it for probably six or seven months. And I look at it every single time I walk out of the door. And my vanity, I straight up, my vanity is what stops me from doing it because I don't want to look like a fool in front of my neighbors. So this, this mindset it's like it's real for people absolutely but you know what with that mindset part of things um a big part of why you might not use the jump rope is well it's not comfortable right so my job is to make sure that i find something that's going to get that job done still so the goal with that with that skipping rope would be to elevate your heart rate right you're trying to get some good cardiovascular workout but i recognize the fact that you do have a shoulder that was once injured so I probably wouldn't choose something that's going to cause you to rotate or hinge on that shoulder too much, like skipping a rope mm-hmm. might do. Also, you've added some extra weight. And as you said, you are older. So I probably wouldn't choose such a high impact version of cardio. I probably said to you instead, do you have access to a low impact version? Mm-hmm. That's something like a stationary cycle or a treadmill. 
What I'm saying is at the end of the day, I know once you tell me what your goal is, how to arrive you at that goal. Um, because what's fit for one person is not fit for the next. What you once did when you were extra lean, as you said, and, and looking extra hot in your bod walking around, what you used to maintain or sustain that isn't going to hold true anymore. So recognizing how to get to that point, but how to do so safely and in a sustainable fashion. Now you're a working class man, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have all day to be at the gym. No. <laughs> Well, actually, I do because the show's at nighttime. But in, in all <laughs> fairness, you know, the uh, the life I'm a dad, right, and teenage yeah. kids, and and all the busy kicks in. So we've heard that. Okay, I mean, you have got some videos on there. Which, by the way, your Instagram account will be at shiftheads.ca, which is our Facebook group website for everyone sure. to look and so they can see all of the videos for themselves. And this really does boil down to: we have a lot of older listeners, we have younger listeners, and we, we have people who call and text say, "I'm in my 80s," and you've got to. So for anybody who's listening, this is why I feel this. Is really exciting for you with uh with big ron jones <laughs> that's such a good name i love it <laughs> um is that you have a side-by-side of dumbbells and bands and you can buy bands for a few bucks uh at walmart Easily. or wherever you need to go and you do a comparison about you know same exercise completely different way to do it absolutely so um we find well necessity excuse me uh a lot of what we wanted to get done couldn't get done the same way coming through what we all went through together, mm-hmm. which was COVID. So those resistance bands um, got more uses than they ever did in a lot of my programs because access to gyms was no more. Mm-hmm. Access to um, to a local uh, sports store to buy weights was no more. And if you did find them, they were skyrocketing in price. So how do we still train the muscles? This is when I decided to show people that with the equipment that they, could, that they did have, excuse me, show everyone that the equipment that they did have access to commonly found resistance bands could still get the work done. That's a mouthful. So that's where I think that gave the most rise to it. The idea of utilizing uh, conventional equipment or a dumbbell or resistance band. And Mm -hmm. that was just a difference maker for so many people to include my own workouts. Mm -hmm. Well, this, you said your creator kind of brings you here to, to uh, share your heart, express yourself, be who you're made to be. Uh, tell me a little bit of why this is. I mean, you're a big fella, like you're a big, strong fella. And, um, and you, um, you know, here you are teaching people bands. You're, you're in the aisle at the grocery store talking about um, alkalinity of water being a, a marketing scam that we need to be really just aware of because it's all right there. Uh, maybe even explain that a little bit. But what yeah. brings you here? What inspires you to do this? Because I, I just want to acknowledge there's an authenticity behind you that it's very rare. We don't get to see it very often. We don't get to see it often on uh, leaders on, online. We don't get to see it often. Uh, I've had all kinds of fitness trainers, and I have one who is like you. Her name is Jackie, and she it is it is she's living into herself when she's in that place, and maybe mm-hmm. that's why it's familiar for me. So, what brings you here? What is it that that makes you um, literally go about all of this? Yeah. So we all arrive. Those who are doing health and wellness, we all arrive, um, well, that's with any profession, I guess, but we find ourselves arrived here for whatever reason. My reason um, wasn't one of, uh, of, of coming from a bad place. Mm-hmm. I wasn't unhealthy trying to reclaim my health. You weren't there the were skinny no, guy getting beat up at school or anything? You know what I mean? So what a story of being bullied. You know, I wasn't trying to reclaim my self-esteem. I was simply a guy who plays sports his whole life. Um, And in college, playing basketball, I broke my ankle freshman year. I knew I still wanted to be active, but what could I do? 
a friend of mine showed me the gym. So I followed him to the gym to work out. When I got there, I realized that kinesiology, the body in motion made sense. So I embraced it. This is the trick though. As I found that in my mind, at least at 18 years old, chicks dig muscles. Yeah. So I kept working out in my first spring break. We're talking less than three months later. I thought I had the greatest body ever. Three months of working out and I got yeah. muscles and chicks are going to like it. That was yeah. enough to drive me. My initial goal was to get chicks. I mean, I was 18 years old, right? Yep. So I did that and it made sense and I loved it. Later on, as things progress, I find out my friends are recognizing that I am getting a physique that I really, or that they learned to admire themselves. So they asked me how to do it. And I started showing them more. Once I graduated college, I realized that this is the real thing. So I took, uh, I took what I'm doing and applied it to someone else who was not the same as me, a pure athlete. It was a 45 year old woman and she was a stay at home mom. And I found that the application of what I was doing for my goal still worked for everyone else. And in this instance, excuse me, her, because she was trying to remain youthful to keep up with her children. She had late in life, yeah. which is a very common story. Um, so what she could do, I would do with her. What she could do, I would not do. She's very able-bodied back to my point here. Um, I realized that health everyone could use and her as a homemaker, found herself finding more direction. Her day felt better, she said. So I'm learning and living through her vicariously at this point. Because she told me that she didn't find much value in going to a gym until she got direction and realized what was coming from it. I was physically exerting her. And she said, Ron, my hormones just feel different right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess she was perhaps perimenopausal at the point. So having that exertion felt good. Yeah. So Vitality is a big what? word, right? Yeah, man. You know, so um, when I when she when I seen that in her, and then she passed me on to her neighbor, and I seen the same thing duplicated with her, I find myself living vicariously through this demographic of women who were trying to reclaim or get that old thing back, that feeling back. Um, later on, of course, I identified or labeled this with science. Excuse me. I was able later on to see exactly what it was by delving deeper into my studies. And it was all boiling down to, to hormones and mm-hmm. hormones being balanced um, and receiving feel-good hormones. And when she was living this life that felt bland to her, it wasn't until she got this rush of endorphin that came from something positive that made her feel better. Yeah. And then I started to apply another different, different, different demographic. So right. I hope that made sense. That totally story, makes sense. Make it. I totally yeah. make sense. And I, I, I think what I get out of that is I get that um, you, you, it's discovery is the word, right? Like you found this thing for yourself and it's a very human thing to, you know, want to meet pretty girls and, and for mm-hmm. girls to go to the gym and want to meet handsome fellas and, and all of that stuff. I mean, that, that, that's just a very human thing. But as you continue discovery, maybe inquisitive, maybe it's curiosity, uh, but you found discovery and you kept on seeking out discovery. And then that that's well the biggest word in the english language uh, most important word um that i teach in my work is is participation right and that is just nothing but active participation in what you do so what do you what do you get out of it i mean obviously there's career aspect to you there's you know there's what you do and and all that but aside from that when you go home at the end of the day you know um you're so big and strong. I imagine you eat like 36 eggs <laughs> um, <Easily>. but <laughs> the uh but i what, what, when you put your head down at the end of the day, here in, in my job, I think that when we're able to provide a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of information, and um, maybe and leave somebody inspired, 
That's yes. really what I, I put my head down on the pillow and I went, you know what? I think I left that person inspired today. And I do want to sidebar that into even holding open a door at the mall for a, an old lady or a, a, a dad who's got like the three kids on all the arms and carrying all yeah. the stuff and you hold the door open. That same sort of inspired part is there. It's present in all that. So what is it Absolutely. for you that you get out of this when you put your head down at night? I truthfully, so the transaction of this, the binary exchange between me and the client is great. That's the monetary value, but that's not what's sustaining me. Um, what's really sustaining me is the fact that I know, as they oftentimes tell me themselves, or I can see it as I see their, their demeanor change, I feel like they got what they came for and more. Mm-hmm. Um, so whomever I'm dealing with, I feel like they're, they're leaving me feeling even better than it was when they came to me. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, they're doing things like buying more time with their families. Let's just talk about some specific demographics. I'll have a 60, 70 year old woman who feels like she is, and she truthfully is buying more fellowship years here on earth because she is improving her heart health. You know what I mean? Um, I have a teenager who I know is not going to make certain decisions because I gave her a sense of belonging because now she sees herself as an athlete identity. You know what I mean? Belonging such Um, a big word, man. Oh, that's humongous because some bad decisions will be made. If you don't have identity, you will be given an identity if you don't find one. So um, helping her to find herself meant a ton to me. So I know from individual to individual, there's so much return coming to them beyond what they thought they came for. And that's what makes me feel good. It really does. Knowing that they really did get a lot more. So I say all the time, and me giving you what you want, you're going to get what you need. Right. You know, how about that? So I like that. Um, that's one of the ways I really feel like, you know, you thought you came in because you wanted to fit those jeans better. But lo and behold, you found out that, you know, this improved your sex life at home. Right. Because your circulatory system was better. You know, plenty yeah. of men have too much uh, ego and they don't want to admit that they're having you know, issues at home and it's affecting their marriage. But next, you know, he's working out so as he won't feel so, you know, so, so less than because his body isn't that great. But in doing that, he actually improved his reproductive system. So now he's actually at home and his marriage is better. There's so much spinoff that comes from health and wellness, man. So no, there's getting more, I think. Well, there's no denying that in relationships, um, often, you know, some of that physical intimacy, uh, we avoid it because we feel too tired, fear of failure, all of those things are there, right? I mean, inside relationships. And and so if you're feeling a little more charged up, if you will, sometimes you're yeah. willing to engage a little bit more and, and inside, you know, the, the loving relationship that can, that can bring wonderful things. So that's really cool. Absolutely. Can I, I want to acknowledge uh, you for something in, in, in my word work, I, I, I create distinction of words typically in threes words typically dance in threes and um and those three words and i this i think you embody all three of them and this is rare to me that i get to uh observe this and 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 have the experience of this so a coach a mentor and a leader are all distinctly different so you said you played football right before you hurt your ankle absolutely but football and basketball okay which would you like to choose for us to talk about here? Because I can use uh, one as an example. Okay, so basketball. So in basketball, when you have a coach, the coach has an agenda, right? That's their agenda, and the player fulfills the coach's agenda. 
They go out there, they run the coach's plays, they execute the culture of the team, they do all that. The coach creates this agenda for the team, and the player fulfills that, learns from the coach, fulfills the coach's agenda. A mentor steps into a player, the same basketball player, and they say, what do you want to create today? And then they use their existing tools to fulfill the player's agenda. And they help the player get off to college, the pros, whatever. So a coach, coach's agenda, player tools to fulfill. A mentor, player's agenda, coach's tools to fulfill. But a leader, there is not an exchange so much as a leader just goes and people follow. They go and they live into who they are. They live into exactly what they believe in, what they believe they were on this earth to create, and then they go, and the people will follow. There is no agenda at play. There is simply choice. And I just, from this conversation, Ron, I got to tell you, like, I clearly see that you have managed to somehow embody all three of those actively balanced and like that's just cool dude man that feels so good to hear you say that and as you're speaking i guess i'm actively listening because once you said leader that one really that really hits me in the heart and feels really good to have an outside complete stranger um identify and say that because as i've always identified leadership which is the same as what you're saying now but to go even one step further on how i see it also leadership um, you can assume a leadership role, but truthfully, a leader is is chosen by the people who are going to follow. They just follow. Um, so you can call yourself a leader all day, but it's not a leader. A leader is going to be selected by the people. They will willingly follow behind, but they're only going to follow behind who they think has their best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. So a leader is erected. And it's funny because a leader oftentimes doesn't necessarily leave the front of the pack. A leader can oftentimes be in the midst of the people. In fact, oftentimes he will be there. Like you said, the player, Mm -hmm. he will be actually on that court because Mm -hmm. when you're in the midst of the people who you are there to, to lead, you have a better pulse on what they need. That's right. A leader may choose to not even participate. They may choose to step back and, and a a true participation might even be stepping back and allowing uh, other people to participate in a new way just to keep a better pulse on what's happening. So whatever it is that you're doing, you remember who you're doing it for. And then with that in mind, you make decisions based on the greater whole, mm-hmm. you know, and then he who he or she who consistently does that will be the chosen leader and they will continually follow behind them. So what I'm saying is this, when I got into this, this internet space, which is relatively recent for me, um, doing what I thought was proper, doing what I thought was correct, but having people decide that I was the one that they wanted to follow. And this instance here, they literally hit the follow button. Mm -hmm. Felt so good, man. Mm -hmm. It feels so good. And it's an ongoing thing. I can almost get choked up thinking about the concept, but I definitely appreciate you uh, using that embodiment, coach, mentor, and leader in your description of me, man. Thanks for that. Yeah, well, it is my pleasure, Ron. And um, uh, again, the link for Ron's Instagram, I do invite you to go look at it. Ron is a big, strong dude, and <laughs> but that's not what it's about. Um, it When you watch it, 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 it will leave you inspired. And I, I trust me. And whether it is talking about water, look for the video about water and alkalinity. Look for the one about the bands and the dumbbells. This is not about... Um, 
Well, it's, it's not about what you might think. It is so much deeper, Ron. And I, I really appreciate you making time to be with me here today and being part of this and, um, and making sure that we can share this message out. I think it's a real gift that you're given and, um, and that you're sharing with everybody. And, and thanks for sharing it with me. Sir, I appreciate you for sharing your platform. That was a gift to me, being able to speak to so many. So thank you again. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 